Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. You can visit rachelcarmen.com to join her online community of moms who are taking the dare to be in the word themselves as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. While you're there, be sure to sign up for updates, and you will also receive a free gift from Rachel when you sign up. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey, moms. I am sitting here on a very overcast day in Charlotte, North Carolina, and so happy to be with you today. I hope that you're having a good day already, and I hope that the Lord is blessing you and showing off to you. I love that that is one of the things He loves to do is show off to us. Even today, as I was preparing for our time here together, God had several butterflies pass by my window, and if you know me, you know that I love butterflies. And as those creatures just flew by my window, it just made me smile and just remind me of the goodness of God. So even as we start today, moms, I just want to remind you that God is good and he is right there with you. And don't miss the little things that he does to show off to you each day. So today I have called this session today, our time together, Finding My Scissors. So this is sort of a a callback to a presentation I made several years ago talking about the fact that one day, one day when all of the kids were gone, I was going to have enough scissors rounded up in my house that I could have a garage sale and just sell scissors because for the last 26 years with all of the kids home, I felt like I was forever buying scissors, but never having scissors at home. And it may not be scissors at your house. It may be something else. I was talking to a mother the other day and she was saying it was pencils. She said, it's the weirdest thing. I order pencils, Amazon delivers them, we sharpen them, and then they're gone. She said, I don't know what happens to the pencils at our house. And another one of the women was saying that it was rulers at her house. So I don't know what it is at your house, but I'm betting that there's something, some very fundamental basic schooling item that you need access to on a pretty regular basis that you can just never actually have when you need it, right? And for me, it was scissors. And I told the story that I was so happy, I decided to be happy about buying scissors. And I learned to buy them very cheaply, like at the dollar store, because I knew that it meant that our house was full and it was busy and all the kids were home. And I was prompted by another story that I heard that, you know, one day I'm going to find all those scissors because one day everybody's going to be gone. All the kids will have graduated and they will have been launched to jobs or other institutions or into family life. And voila, all of those scissors are going to show up again. And indeed, it's happening. So just a few weeks ago now, we delivered all of the three youngest who are still attending college to their institutions, and we came home, Davis and I, and lo and behold, it's just the two of us. 
And it has been not, I can't say it's been startling because when you've got seven kids, I guess we've been anticipating this for a while and we've got several friends who've already crossed over into this new season before us. And so we kind of had an idea. We took a couple of days in the mountains and just did some hiking and some biking and just sort of, I guess, bracing to come home to the empty house. But we came home and here we are and it is, it's so fascinating. I can tell you that now that it's just the two of us, we have no one to blame when things are not as they ought to be. (laughs) And we're discovering that there are some things that weren't the children's fault. And then there's other things that we're discovering just, it's quite remarkable. You know, I put the jam on the second shelf after I jam my toast in the morning and the next morning it's still where I left it, which, you know, is truly remarkable. And I've made the beds, the kids' beds, and they're still made. And so there are all of these different things that I'm now looking at going, wow, that's not going to change because it's just the two of us. It's actually going to stay that way. And yet, um, silence echoes. And it's a thing. It's so quiet here. It's kind of remarkable. But one of the gifts of God is I also hear in the echoing silence years of laughter and years of discussion and debate and read-alouds that we did. I'm so grateful that this house holds all of those memories that we made with all the kids all those years. I can walk through and see one of the kids sitting in one of the chairs and reading or working on a project or running out front. And I'm so grateful for those store of memories that God has given me. The other thing that occurs to me now that we're here is truly, truly, I say to you, Perfection is overrated, and I am so grateful that I didn't have to wait until I got here to an empty house and an empty nest to discover just how overrated perfection can be. I'm so grateful that several years ago now, God arrested me in my perfectionism, which I think I have to spend the rest of my life undoing and overcoming, right? I wish that was an instant thing to overcome, but I'm so grateful that I learned the beauty of ordered chaos, of reasonable rhythm, and of intentional progress, and abandoned the idea of perfection, because especially now with everyone gone, it's just, I can smile, like it says in Proverbs 31, I can smile of what's already gone on, And what we did together. And yes, I will admit fully and completely without hesitation, are there things that I would do differently, better? Of course, of course. Does the enemy work diligently to pick me off with doubt and reminding me of things that I did poorly or not at all? You bet he does. But God is so good and so faithful to remind me and to show me just about every day, all of these wonderful things that we were able to share together. So what I really want to say to you today is I'd do it all again. Of course, I'd do it better and different, but I would do it again. I would do this journey of seven children and home education. I would do it again. And I'm just so grateful because this was not my plan. 
This was not my desire. Um, God had to intervene and arrest me with circumstances that got me on this path. I would not have chosen to do this myself. And I'm just so grateful, so, so grateful for the circumstances that he ordained that got us on this journey. So I wanted to share with you today, and I think that this can be encouraging at both ends of the spectrum, whether you've just started, maybe you're two or three years in. And I will say this right now, we, several years ago, Davis and I served on the board for home educators of North Carolinian home educators for North Carolina. I'm totally messing that up. We were on the board for our state organization. And one of the things we learned through a survey was that third year is really key. And so if you're first, second, or third year, hang tight, right? Because the ones who make it through that third year are the ones that are really able to go forward. Um, Before that, it can be very difficult to continue on because there's so much doubt and there's so much pressure. But about the time you get through that third year, you start to realize, okay, God's got this. And I can obey him and lean into him, and we can do this. So I want to encourage you, wherever you are, you might be a little further down the path, maybe you're in your first year of high school, or maybe you're like me and you've already graduated everyone, but I want to give you seven things today that I would do again. And perhaps these things will encourage you wherever you are in the journey. If you've already graduated everyone, maybe this will just spark memories, of days gone by and things that you can smile about and reminisce about today. If you're in the throes of it, I hope that this will affirm you, whatever you're doing today and challenge you and encourage you and inspire you, right? To keep on going and to not stall out and to not give up, but to persevere. So first of all, and these are really in no particular order. These are just the order that came out of my brain. So first of all, Enjoy spending time in nature and creation. Just yesterday, here in North Carolina, there was this huge rainstorm that came through. And I was working on a few things yesterday, and I pulled my computer, and I went out and sat on our back porch and just watched it rain. And I sat there, closed my computer, listened to the thunder roll, listened to the birds sing, listened to the rain come in. I could hear it coming from the right-hand side when it started, and this this wave, like this curtain of rain came across the backyard. And I just sat there, and I just listened to it. Dare to take time in your homeschooling journey as a family with your kids and just listen to creation and to nature. Listen to the cicadas in summer, crickets, or the tree frogs in the spring. Listen to a caterpillar munch on parsley. So many, many years ago, the first time we ever raised caterpillars, because we've done it so many times since then, we were in a rental house and we found caterpillars. I believe it was just God's gift to us because we were just, we were just crammed into this small space, all nine of us. And I just believe God just gave us these caterpillars on the parsley just to encourage us. Anyway, we found caterpillars on the parsley, looked up, because we're a homeschool family, what kind of caterpillars these were. And we brought this parsley inside into a little critter enclosure that we purchased. And we would, it was literally, some of this is going to gross somebody out, but it sat in the center of our dining room table. And we would sit there while we were studying 
our lessons or even sometimes while we were eating breakfast. It's true. I cannot deny it. And we would listen to caterpillars munching parsley. That's pretty cool to be able to know that you've been able to be so still and so quiet that you can listen to a caterpillar munch on parsley. So just having those times in nature, we went one time and watched. We literally took our van with all the kids in it, and I packed sandwiches, and we sat on the side of a field that a farmer was harvesting. And we just watched him with a big tractor just harvesting. I think it was wheat. Just sat there and watched him harvest the wheat. We've caught multiple jars full, full, I mean full, full, full of lightning bugs over the years. And of course, like you, we've laid out on blankets and watched the stars. So one of the things that we did in our homeschool, the the first thing on my list is we spent time together in nature. And that is something that I just don't think you can do too much of. We did leaf rubbings. We collected, we did scavenger hunts in the yard for different nature items. I usually did that in the fall. Almost always, almost every year I did that on Thanksgiving Day to give the kids something to do while I was trying to put something else together on for the feast, right? And I would send them outside with bags and lists of things to find and they would work together. And sometimes it would take them hours. Yes, I was that mom to collect everything that I'd given. And often they would get sidetracked with something else they found. But one of the things that we did together was we spent time out in creation. Number two, another thing that we did together that just just makes me smile was we cooked together. It wasn't just me in the kitchen doing all the preparation for whatever meal we were having. I invited the kids in and included the kids. And I'm going to tell you in advance what you already know. Yes, it meant that it was particularly messy. It did. There were things that were spilt. There were things that were made badly or wrongly, right? We had some rough recipes along the way, outcome, right? But we were doing it together. And I can still remember flour on the floor and on noses and aprons. And we were in there cooking together. We would plan menus together. We would adopt new recipes together. We went grocery shopping together. I'm afraid there's a whole generation of kids that doesn't even know how to go to the grocery store. But every week, we went to the grocery store together. And at its peak, we were a two-grocery shop family, right? Two-grocery cart shopping family. There we go. It took that much, right? And we would all go in together, and it took a couple of hours. And I just leaned in, and we just enjoyed it. It was part of what we did as, as a family, me and the kids. We went grocery shopping. And such fond memories, even today, when we get together, and they're all adults now, right? They'll still tell stories of when we went grocery shopping together, and what we did, and what they remember, weighing the fruits and the vegetables, right? Or running back and getting something that mom forgot, or carrying the list, or marking things off the list, or adding up the bill, or whatever. Carrying the groceries into the house, rinsing everything off. They remember that. We were doing life together, And so cooking together became central such that even when they come home now, or maybe especially when they come home now, our life sort of revolves around our kitchen and everybody wants to be in there. And for Thanksgiving, especially, which is like our big family holiday when we all get together, everybody's bringing a new recipe. And so I'm in charge of commandeering all of the ingredients and I organize the whole menu and then different people want to try out a new menu item or a new recipe that they've found. And we all share in it together. We're always doing that together. So 
If that's not your thing, I invite you to adopt a recipe. Get your kids in the kitchen and cook together. Make a loaf of bread together. Learn what it looks like to knead. Something that you always enjoy eating out, why not see if you could make it at home together? That is something that we really enjoyed. Number three is, it's not going to be surprising, it was probably the core of everything we did in our house, and that was we read together. And I will forever be grateful for the methodology, the Uh, the educational philosophy that we adopted early on in our homeschool journey of reading together every day in a variety of different settings outside on the front porch, out in a park, at the airport, in the van, on the beach. We were always reading together. We always had one or two books, three or four books that we were coming around together and reading together and discussing. There were books that we cried through. There were books that we laughed through. There were books that we just wrestled through, and we were never disappointed in the books that we read together. And again, just thousands and thousands of memories and ideas were born out of those books that we read together and those places that we we went together and those characters that we learned about and the decisions that they made and the choices that they had and the places that they went and the adventures. It was just glorious to read all of those books together. And look, I wasn't raised in a family that read aloud together, and maybe you weren't either. Maybe you're a young mom and it's a very foreign idea to you and you really like the idea of maybe an iPad reading to your kids or just getting all the books on audio and just listening to them. Okay, you know, maybe for one or two, but not all. I'm going to dare you. There's just nothing like you reading to your kids live, snuggled up on the sofa or some other place, but actually you reading to them is just a gift that keeps on giving and the memories that you get from all of that. So take some time and don't neglect reading together. Number four, I should have put this after number two because it would make sense, but I'll I'll leave it obviously where it is, and that is we ate together. We had the benefit of being together all day, every day, seven days a week for three meals a day. We were together, and we made it a practice that we ate together. We didn't eat Um, individually, when somebody was hungry, they popped in and got half a sandwich. No, we all sat down for breakfast together, all sat down for lunch together, all sat down for dinner together. And I want to suggest to you boldly that that is, that is a way to save civilization is to sit down around your dinner table and eat three meals together, decompress, talk together, laugh together, discuss Come and get some encouragement and some sustenance at the same time. Pray to the Lord God for the rest of your day. Open his word, but come together and eat together and share in a common meal together. There's just nothing like that. Again, there is a whole world out there that doesn't have the advantage or the opportunity to eat three times a day with your family and your kids. Take advantage of that does not have to be, nor does it need to be anything fancy. I developed a very specific plan for all of our meals every week that we followed. And it was it was pretty much fill in the blank, and it was rinse and repeat. And we did the same thing. It was not anything fancy. Sometimes it was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on napkins. Sometimes it was what I called dippers. Dippers was when I would put like a dollop 
of peanut butter in the middle of the plate, and then I would circle it with like fruit and or pretzels and or um, some sort of a cracker, right? So it might be apples or grapes and pretzels and maybe, and then another day it might be cheese with apples or grapes. And so you get the idea, nothing fancy. And then we'd have a soup day and we had a salad day. We had a leftover day, but it was it was still coming together. It was less about what we were eating and it was more about coming together and sharing in the common meal. So do take advantage of that. There are our whole, the whole generation that doesn't know what it's like to sit down and eat and you can teach your kids manners, can teach them appropriate conversation, sharing, passing items, how to drink out of a real glass, all of these things that are lost arts that are dying. There's so many people today that eating means pulling out their phone and watching, catching up on their news feed or their texting or their YouTube show. But I'm going to dare you, put it all away and come around the table and eat together and enjoy that time. Number five may be surprising, but it's something that we did regularly and something that I think was very, very powerful, and that was we rested together. So I uh, institutionalized just about um, nap time every day. And so when everybody was young, there was rest time every day. And everybody had rules for rest time, so everybody had to go to their own place. No two people could be in the same space. And they could have books, but they could have nothing that was battery-operated or was going to make any noise, and no food, of course. And they had to stay there until I came and got them. So this took some training, obviously, but ultimately it worked. And it was glorious because every afternoon for about an hour or two, everybody was on their own reading their books or actually sleeping or resting often getting up and denying that they did either. But it was something that we did regularly together. It, it Toward the end, toward the second half, it became just a Wednesday nap day. So it wasn't every day because everybody was getting older. It was boiled down to just one day a week, and that was Wednesday. And it was nap day, and it was a thing. And we all observed it for a really, really, really long time. And then at the very end, it just became Sabbath. Um, we practiced Sabbath as a family. We had done that a little bit early on, but not as intentionally as we did later on. But the point is that we intentionally took time to rest as a family, and we practiced that stillness and that silence that the Bible talks about and ultimately invites us into to really step away from the crazy and the chaotic and the confusing and just be still and read a good book or actually take a nap and rest. And it was one of those things that really made all the difference. And I'm really, really glad that we did that. Number six, celebrate together. Celebrate. When you have something to celebrate, celebrate it. Don't put it off. Don't delay. Really celebrate. Not just the goodness of God, which is always going on, but play games together and celebrate the winner. Celebrate accomplishments, like when someone's just, starting to read. Um, We had so many babies along the way that we celebrated, you know, first steps and celebrate game winnings, celebrate when somebody gets a concept. It was a big deal around here when someone figured out fractions and long division. So we celebrated those things. We celebrated starting the school year. We 
celebrated finishing the school year. We celebrated graduations and, of course, birthdays and holidays. We celebrated projects and presentations. But make sure that celebration is something that characterizes your family. And you can easily build it in. People can, the children can make their own cards for each other. They can make banners. You can bake a cake going back to number two, right? Make a whole meal for for each other. But make sure you take time to teach your kids what it looks like to celebrate, what's appropriate to celebrate, how to celebrate. But taking that time such that celebration is something that you do together. Because then ultimately, right, your kids are going to get married. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like wedding celebrations together, dancing together and celebrating God, bringing that child, that mate for the children that you've prayed for all of those years. You've prayed that they would get married, that God would direct them. And then comes the day of celebration. So make sure that celebration is something that you do as a family regularly. And then number seven, which maybe is perfect because it's number seven, is worship together. Make sure that you take time to worship together. And I would suggest, again, that it's something that you do first. Because if you're not if you're not worshiping together first thing in the morning, like at the breakfast table or maybe immediately after breakfast, we did it both ways through the year. Um, it, you won't do it right if you if you just don't do it first, you probably won't get it done. There'll be other things that come up like sports team practice or uh, exhaustion, which is usually what got me when we tried to do it in the evening. But worship together at home and at church. Make sure you're going to church regularly. I am a huge advocate of families staying together in the service. I believe that children can be trained to stay in the service. Furthermore, I believe that children can benefit from the sermon and the worship being with the family. And so make sure that you're worshiping together, but not just at church, but also in your own home, that you're opening the word, you're reading the word, you're singing songs together, you're praying together. But that worship together is so key, and it really sets the tone for what you're trying to achieve in the, in the right context, and that is the glory and the goodness of God. So, yeah, thank you for stopping by today. I'm so glad y'all are here. And, again, no matter what phase of motherhood you're in, nursing a newborn, if maybe you're chasing around toddlers, maybe you've got um, preschoolers, maybe you've got those middle schoolers that's a tough age or high school And maybe you're where I am. Wherever you are, I want to encourage you to do the things that often get neglected. Enjoy time out in nature. Cook together. Read together. Eat together. Rest together. Celebrate together and worship together. Take full advantage of the time that you have with your children. And enjoy them. And enjoy this time that you have together. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you are listening. And while you are there, can you leave us a rating or a review? This just helps us to get the message out to other moms that need to be encouraged in their roles as mothers today. If you have a question, we invite you to send it to rachelcarmen.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, you can access Rachel's wonderful resources and real refreshment, the online community. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. I hope you will join us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast.
Hey there, it's Nicole Yunus, host of the How to Study the Bible podcast, where every single week we join together to encounter God through His Word. You can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.